Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this episode, I was joined by Zahar Parmal as we chatted about what she knows for sure, which is that life is short. I think one that we probably, a lot of us, can really get on board with. But during our conversation, a real bit of wisdom came through from Zahar, which I absolutely loved and really jumped on and we had a great discussion about when she said that she believes there's a lot of difference between an intention and a plan and therefore what are her intentions and what is how is she going to get there because she's set intentions for her life but no plan on how to get there. A wonderful conversation that I really enjoyed so I hope that you do too. Zahar, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi Anne, it's lovely to be here, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and it's lovely that we met in person and that was how I could invite you. So tell us a wee bit about you. So I'm uh, I'm Sahar, I work for a children's mental health charity. I've been in the charitable sector for, for years and years in various roles and I absolutely love love my job. So that's that's my professional side of things. Way back when I studied law, but that's a whole different story. We won't get into that. I've got two young children, a six-year-old and a three-year-old based in Glasgow, in the West End of Glasgow. So I've born and brought up in Glasgow, lived here until I went to uni and then actually went to England for 10 years in London and uh, Cambridge and Newcastle all over and then moved back up here when I had my first child. So that's me between work and children and the house. I bought this house about three years ago. We've just been doing it up since. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of time left for other stuff. But I do, um, yes, there's walking and cycling and other things as well. Great. Perfect, perfect. So tell me, what do you know for sure? So I'm going to sound like the Run DMC song. You know that song? <laughs> it's like that. I love that song. Absolutely loved it growing up. I play it to my kids now. We dance around the bedroom at bedtime to that song. And there's that line in it. You know, one thing I know is that life is short. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's what I know for sure. And I've, the older I've got and the more experience I've had, I'm in my mid-30s now, the more convinced I am that life actually truly is short. And you're young and you think you've got endless time you think you can do whatever you want you can make as many different mistakes as you like you can do many different careers you know you're never going to run out of time and uh and it's just not true life is short time is short yeah it is and does that make you feel scared does it make you feel excited for doing the things you want to get done I mean how does what is the feeling that comes with that knowing yeah it's a really good question it's a there's a sort of yearning attached to it and there's a real solidifying of, well, what do I actually want to do then? And that's come about for me recently for a few reasons. So that, you know, why have I picked that in terms of one thing I know? Well, as I say, the song's always on in my house. But also I've had two close friends of mine recently who've known people who've died in their mid-30s around our age. Suddenly short illnesses, you know, one had two young children. Um, the other one was an ex-colleague. And so, you know, they had spent a lot of time together. Uh, and it really, it really does make you stop and think, right? So that could be me, you know, and that could be me tomorrow. It could be me this time next year. They didn't know it was coming. Yeah. And what does that really mean I want to do? And the other thing that's prompted this thinking is I'd completely forgotten about it. But the other day in my inbox, I'd, uh, I found an email from myself written a year ago. And it's this website called Future Me. I use uh, that in some of the workshops I do. Um, I mean, it's, I had never, I don't know how, you've, how I even heard of it. I can't remember. I'm so glad you've come across it. Uh-huh. I'd recommend it to everyone. I think it's four free letters you can send yourself and then they start charging. 
it's brilliant. You can get it to send you a letter whatever day you know it's important to you. So I'd just written it 17th of April last year and 17th of April this year. It turned up in my inbox and it was just the loveliest thing to see. But also, again, of course, you write to yourself thinking, well, will I have done this thing that I wanted to have done? Will I have done this, that and that? And on the whole, it was pretty accurate, actually. I'd done most of the things I'd wanted to do. But it made me think, well, right, so people around me, left, right and centre, are dying young or, you know, any we don't know if tomorrow's going to come. What is it I'm going to write to myself this time next year? What really, if, it, if that was my last letter, what would I want to do? Mm-hmm. And the other thing, and you know, is that, that made me, when I started going down this chain of thought, was I always remember my mum when I was young and would go somewhere and she used to take us loads of places, you know, Stirling Zoo or uh, Stirling Castle, sorry, Edinburgh Zoo, all out for day trips. But she wasn't the, you know, bless her, she isn't the, the most organised <laughs> person sometimes, which is a brilliant, brilliant mum. But we'd sometimes get somewhere and run out of time for something or, you know, I don't know, the thing we were going to go to wasn't quite open or something. And her her thing was always, you know, if I'd said, can we stay for a bit longer or can we do this? Can we go to this next place? It was always, we'll come back. We'll come back. We'll do it another time. And I remember her saying that so vividly, you know, we'll come back. I promise we'll come back. And she really did mean it. I don't, you know, I think she just felt we'd run out of time or couldn't do it right now. And of course, how, how often did we go back? Mm. Hardly ever. And so I'm just more determined now to not do that. You've got, if you want to do something, you really have to do it now. Sometimes the time passes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, life is short. It is. And see, when you got that email, you had forgot you had written it. Did it feel like a year ago you had written it, though? No, it felt like years ago. Did it? It was so odd because it said, it'll be April now and the days will be getting longer and I hope you're enjoying that. That was one of the lines in it. I was like, yeah, of course. It almost felt like magic because I was like, yeah, they are getting longer and I'm enjoying it because you're writing to yourself. You know how you're going to probably feel and you know yourself Mm -hmm. so well. So in that sense, it felt like a really old friend had written to me. And I couldn't really remember myself writing it. I just experienced as if somebody, genuinely as if somebody else had written it to me, which was quite a remarkable feeling because it's it's someone who couldn't know you better than you know yourself because it literally is you. So no, it felt like a really long time ago, probably because I'd also forgotten about it. I think if it'd been on a birthday, I wonder if it had been like on a special event, I might have remembered like Mm -hmm. how I felt when I was writing it or something, but it was just a random day of the year, not a special day at all. It was very short. I probably cracked it out in like 20 minutes or 15 minutes. I couldn't remember it at all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so when you contemplated, I don't know if you've written the one for next year yet, but when you contemplated, right, what do I want to write to myself for next year? What was what was that like? Yes, I, I have written the next one. I did it again on the same day. So 17th of April next year, I'll be getting another letter. And I mean, I'm quite ambitious by nature in lots of ways. You know, I always think, think I'm always optimistic. I always think, yeah, we can do that, even if it's slightly overstretching or even if we hit slightly below the mark. You know, there's that famous Michael Jordan saying, you've got to aim for above the target to hit the target. Yeah. And he's thinking about a basketball, you can't aim for the net, you've got to aim above the net. And it's I always remember that as well. So that's usually me. But it was surprised to me that in the letter that I'd written to myself a year ago, everything in it had turned, most of the things in it had turned out to be right, which means it probably wasn't quite ambitious enough. Mm. You know, if it had been ambitious enough, I would have under, I wouldn't have quite hit it all. It was very realistic. It was quite measured. And so I sort of deliberately took a different approach and and went for um, a more ambitious sort of, you know, thing. And a couple, two of the things I'd written in it. So for example, one was, I hope you've started your MBA by now. For years, I've been wanting to start an MBA mm-hmm. and I hadn't started it. 
so I, that really kickstarted me into like that's it when's the next one starting I'm going to get on that course and I am now going through the process of getting on one that'll start in May Excellent. just a part-time one open university alongside work so I know this time next year I'll have started that one and the other thing I said on it was I hope that you've moved forward with your plans to move abroad uh, you know ever since before I had children I thought right I want them to learn another language when they're young I'd like to take them and move abroad for a few years and that was I mean, I've been thinking that for probably 10 years now. And, you know, there's not been, it's still there, it's still there, but it's there as an intention. It's not there as a plan. Yeah. The world of difference between an intention and an actual plan. Mm-hmm. And even in that letter to myself last year, there was there as a, as a hope, as an aspiration, as an intention, but there, no plan had been developed. So that really kickstarted me. I thought, right, that's this time next year, it can't just be a, an aspiration. It's got to either have happened or it's got to be an actual plan with a date and, you know, actions. And so again, I'm, kickstarting myself on that one so no it did it made a difference to what I wrote this time I don't know if I'll achieve it but (laughs) and I love the wisdom that just came through there from you about there's a world of difference between an intention and a plan I love that how long have you known that how long have I known that what prompted me to think that it was it was this process but you know there's there's that saying uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and it's and it's so true. And that when I, mean, I heard that when I was young, and that has always really stuck with me that an intention is one thing, but it's not even halfway there. I mean, you need the intention as a totally necessary part. And again, I was brought up Muslim. And I remember that the very first thing you do when you pray as a Muslim is you make your intention, mm-hmm. call it niyat in, in Urdu or in Arabic, and you have to make your intention first before you start. And it's an absolutely essential, crucial part of it until you say, I am. I intend. You say it out loud as part of your prayer. I intend to make this prayer at this time, you know, um, in the name of God. And it doesn't take long, but it's essential. But th- if you stopped at the intention, you wouldn't have done the prayer. Exactly. The intention is your first two sentences, first sentence really, and then you've got um, far the far bigger bit is actually doing the prayer. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's always been there for me that intention is really really important, and nothing will happen without it, or nothing will be done properly or you know without a really clear intention being formed but actually it's just the first step uh-huh. and if you leave, if you stop it there you're not doing the thing uh-huh because I work a lot like internally with setting intentions but you're right I think if I was to actually question myself on this I would think uh-huh and so you've got loads of intentions but where are the plans how are you getting it to across the line you know within my work I don't work in intentions I work very clearly on plans and I managed yeah. to get them across the line it seems like such an obvious thing you've said but such deep wisdom in it that I'm a wee bit like a wow moment here I'm a bit like oh Wow. Come on, Anne, turn your intentions into plans. Are you, do you feel therefore committed to what you're now intending and planning for your future? Because, you know, you're 36, you're still quite young. I know you've got kids, which makes travelling and everything a bit different, doesn't it? Because you have so much to get in place, education and all the rest of it. But you've still got a lot of time, hopefully, all going well you've got a lot of time to still do a lot of stuff so do you feel that you're going to get better at turning your intentions into plans 
I really, I was just about to say, I really hope so. There's another intention. There's another uh-huh. aspiration. <laughs> and I want to get better at that because, no, I no, I am. There you go. I'm going to say it as not as an aspiration. I am going to get better at turning these plans into action. You know, and for two reasons. One, as we've said, life is short. That's the thing that I know for sure. So now or never really sometimes, and you're right, hopefully I've got lots of time left, but I don't know that for sure. What I do know for sure is that life is, is short. And some for some people it's shorter than others, sadly. But the other thing is, the reason, the other reason I want to get better at doing that is I read this fantastic line in a book. It was called Driving Over Lemons. Mm-hmm. I was on holiday recently and I, I did a bit more reading than normal. And it's the story about a, a man who moved with his wife to Spain, south of Spain. And that's interesting because Spain is where I'm hoping to move to as well mm-hmm. with the kids. And he's bought this farm. And anyway, it was this whole whole story about what he did with it. And there's a line in there about, and I can't, I'm not going to quote it exactly from memory, but it was about living the life that you have written for yourself. There was something about writing a script and then living it out. And it struck me that so few of us actually do that. We're living out a script that somebody else has written for us, largely. And that's really come to life for me when I think about my granddad. I think about this frequently. My granddad's um, Pakistani, my whole family's Pakistani, and he moved over here to England first and then up to Scotland uh, from Pakistan in the 60s, like lots of um, men of his generation and families of his generation did. And that was that was the choice that he made. I suppose he made a choice there. He fulfilled, to some extent, he fulfilled a script for himself. Now, the rest of the family has been living out that script. None of us chose to move to Scotland or be born here or live here. But here we are. We're British. We've got those passports. We live in this culture. We speak English. Is any of that our choosing? It's the choice. We're, it's a legacy of the script that my granddad wrote for us. And the whole family is living that script out. Now, when I think about it even further, did he really choose to move to England? Well, it was the only option available to him because of the British Empire. He didn't choose for Britain to go and conquer the Indian subcontinent and therefore, you know, the way of life to be disrupted. He didn't choose for a partition to happen. He didn't choose for the, the way of life his family had done for generations to no longer be available. So he lived out the script that somebody else had written for him. You know, mm. he came to the UK not by accident, but sort of it was the only choice really open to him. Uh, his parents died young, actually, and he then had, I think, seven, perhaps, uh, seven I think sisters maybe it was five actually to to look after he was the only boy out of the mm-hmm. siblings so then again that's something else where you think well he would have had a totally different life if he hadn't had to drop out of school and start earning a living and perhaps he found you know that coming to the UK was his chance to earn a decent living for everyone mm-hmm. so yeah there's something there about you know I think the fortunate people the few fortunate people in life who really write themselves a script and live it out are people that I admire yeah. a lot yeah. And I'd love to be that kind of person who I suppose my children can look up to and admire for that same reason and think, well, whatever she did, at least she wrote that for herself and for us. Do you know, it's interesting, you'll not know this about me, but I love opera and uh, I base myself on opera. Some people call me the governor opera, but anyway. Uh, so this <laughs> question is a question that Oprah asks people a lot. What do you know for sure? And so I've asked um, 160 odd people that on my radio show at the end for a brief answer and then I created the podcast obviously so I was listening to an Oprah video the other day because I do that a lot as well and she was somebody said to her what's the difference between people who achieve their dreams and people who don't and she said the difference is those who achieve know what it is they want the rest don't know what they want they don't name it and you need to name it 
and then you need to go towards that. And I found that quite like, oh, it was very obvious, isn't it? But also, so many people have dreams to be happy, dreams to not worry. Whereas actually, that's not really, that's just like, that's. A, I would say that's an inside choice. I can choose to be happy regardless of what's going on externally. But equally, we have to write it down, we have to name it, and we have to get a plan of how do we get from A to B. Now, I do a lot of strategy work within the third sector too. I'm getting from A to B to C to D to Z with organisations every single day of the week because that's what I, that's what I do for a living. And therefore, you get a wee bit frustrated. Do you get that? That we need to be more treat our life and our dreams a bit more the way we treat other parts of our life and be, be very um, like single-minded about what it is we want to do, perhaps. No, I do. I totally agree with you because I think part of the reason we don't always is that we put work first sometimes, don't we? Mm-hmm. And you put all your energy, you wake up in the morning, you've got them, I mean, I know everyone, I know everyone's slightly different, but, you know, most people, most energy at that time, you go to work. All your energy, all your brain power, all your thinking goes into your work. Then you deal with your family or your house or whatever else you've got. And by the time you sort of think about other things, you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women particularly exhausted, there's no time. And it's it's telling, isn't it, that a lot of people only start Ever, ever looking at job adverts and job boards when they think they're going to be made redundant or they're at the point of wanting to leave a job. Whereas, really, how many opportunities would, might we have missed out on in the interim because we didn't prioritise, you know, thinking about our future and making those plans and and really putting in, into action? So I think you're absolutely right there. I think we kind of almost, we really do often do ourselves a disservice by leaving the most important things, which are, well, what do I really want to do in my life? To, at the mercy of all the other things that are putting a demand on our time and some of those are important things you know if you enjoy your work and you're doing something purposeful and meaningful that is important it deserves energy but everything else comes first all the nonsense that we have to do every day the massive admin burden that I think our lives are really weighed down by uh, the bills the letters the mm-hmm. like, sorting your diary out the finding Zoom links, you know, I mean, you know what it's like, just endless. I mean, I probably get about 600 emails a day from my kids' school, (laughs) let alone anything else. And sometimes they forget to send attachments, so they send another one. And it's just this, you know, then you've got all your WhatsApp threads constantly updating, not to mention social media. There's such an overload of everything else coming at you that I think it takes almost all of our processing power in our brains to just just to stay afloat, just to get through the day and have done the minimum of stuff we need to do and excel if we can at work and try and get our kids to bed and fed and everything else yeah. it has to be a better way surely and because then we are drifting we're yeah. just you know living someone else's script like I said do you know it's just been such wonderful conversation I think that I've had with you and I'm feeling very inspired to actually go to the future me email and send myself an email I've been writing a book for over a year and I plan to self-publish it and I set a new plan last week that I'll publish it it'll come out on the 1st of September because I can work to my edits and everything don't want it to come out during the summer when people are thinking about other things 1st of September I'm thinking I'm going to send myself a future me email for the 1st of September saying you better have done the book Anne or else or else or else else I'll get the email and I'll just be thoroughly disappointed in myself (laughs) but good luck good luck with everything that you're doing and I I, do you know I hope that we bump into each other again next year in April time so I can see how you're getting on with your future me email hope so too you might be zooming me from uh, an Albine sunny Spain aye maybe thank you so much for joining me on the podcast thank you it was a pleasure thanks Anne 
Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website andhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you. <laughs>